So now we're going to have Robert come. Robert's going to come and bring the message today. I guess before he does, I should probably share the joke, right? Can't forget the joke. This is a good one, too. If I must say so myself. So a lady was at Walmart earlier this week. And she was looking at frozen turkeys, but she couldn't find one big enough. And she asked the stock boy, she said, do these turkeys get any bigger? And he replied with a straight face, no, ma'am, they're dead. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Laugh at me laughing at my joke. Robert, come. Take us out of our pain. (laughs) Thank you. Let's pray for him today. Father, thank you today for Robert. Thank you for bringing him here. Thank you for the word that you have given to him today from your word. I pray, Father, that you'll speak through him, that you'll anoint his lips, anoint his voice today. Help him to hear you even as he speaks right now, Father, and that the words that come through him today will come directly from you. God, we thank you for it. Open our ears to hear and our hearts to receive what you have to say to each one of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Bless you. Thank you, Pastor. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Pastor, for this uh, opportunity. And I must say a big thank you to you for wiring me up. (laughs) I'm only used to holding the mic, but today I'm a bit (laughs) high-tech. Thank you very much. And I also want to thank um, Pastor Sylvia for this opportunity. And the whole church for having me here. It's a great privilege to preach in this time of the season. It's Christmas. And most of the time we find that our pastor's uh, calendars are full. In fact, most of the ceremonies and most of the services are done by the pastor. But he gave me this great opportunity to stand, to fill his shoes, (laughs) to be here. In fact, the shoes are too big. (laughs) But I know the Lord will use me as a vessel to bless us all. Amen. Amen. And thank, I thank him also for the prayer. That's a powerful and uh, motivating prayer. Beloved, we are in a season where many call it a season of giving. It's Christmas. If you are from where I am from, anytime we meet each other and greet, the next thing I'll ask is, where is my Christmas gift? So if I say good morning to you, how are things going? You say, oh, good, things are going well. Okay, so what are you doing to me for Christmas? <laughs> what are you giving me for Christmas? Because it's the season of giving. <laughs> Amen? So many a times, we get so busy with the parties to attend. What do I have to get for mommy? What do I have to get for daddy? What do I have to get for my son? What do I have to get for the children? But what about the question about what do you have to give to God? In this season, what have you prepared for God? 
Everybody's going around looking for Christmas trees. Looking to uh, make a beautiful decoration, as we can see over there, and a beautiful star that we have in the corner there. To look out for the wise men, as they are beautifully uh, portrayed over there. To decorate them. But that decoration is telling us a story. There's something that you and I can learn from what this gentleman did. And that is what I want to discuss with you today. And it's entitled, The Journey of Faith. The Journey of Faith. The text will be from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. I know it's a very long um, verses that you find there. We are not going to read all, but we'll take the salient points that you and I would like to share together. Amen? So please bear with me. Don't, no, don't uh, doze off. It's going to be short. Amen. Don't be scared by from verse 1 to verse 11, okay? So in Matthew chapter 2, verse 1 to 11, the entire um, verses over there is talking about three wise men. And what they did is a perfect example that every believer, every Christian is supposed to exemplify in the walk with God. Now, these wise men show their journey of faith, and that is a willingness to go. This journey of the wise men has several very important factors that we must apply to our walk with our God. Now, first let me establish who these wise men were. In verse 1, it says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. So, in fact, when you look at all the four books of the gospel, that is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they talk about the announcement of Jesus' birth. And these wise men are heavily indicated there. Now, these men were from the east. They heard about, they've heard about the story that says that sometime a child will be born. The king of the Jews will be born. But no one knew the hour. No one knew the time. But these wise men, as soon as they saw the star, they knew that something was happening. Praise the Lord. They knew that this star meant something. They were not just anybody there were men who understood the times and the seasons. In some other translations, some call them the magi, which comes from the Greek word magicians. I was reading and making some inquiries, and there were some Chinese translations that also referred to these men as men who were highly knowledgeable. That is, in today's setting, we say they have their PhDs. So they were very, very what? Knowledgeable. They understood the stars and they knew what the stars what meant. As I read this verse, you know what stood out to me? God calls everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. When I was growing up, some people used to say that, oh, Christianity is for the lowly in society. Christianity is for beggars. Christianity is for those who do not have any, the less affluent. But here is God revealing himself 
to the what? The very knowledgeable in the society. Here is God revealing himself to people that maybe the world will say that they do not worship God. Therefore, why should they see the star? But they were the very people who saw the star. Amen? So God invites you and I. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter where you are located. It doesn't matter whether you, you've led a past life that was not in the way of the Lord. He welcomes you and I. Amen. So Christianity is not for only a few. It's for all of us. Irrespective of our levels, your level of employment, your class, and where you're coming from. Now, there's a behavior of these wise men that I want us to look at from verse 1 and 2. Now, these wise men saw the light. The light, was, I mean the star, 500 miles away. Now, at that time of the hour, obviously to be in the night, right? We can see the star during the day when the sun is really shining. But what were these three men doing out there? That they would see this star 500 miles away. And why is it that they were so interested about that particular star? To me, it seems that they knew the place and the location of every star up there. So for them to point out that this star is significant, it's not usual, we do not see it all the time, it's because they were expectant. They could have ignored it. They could have said, oh, this is just a new star. Let's just forget about it. But these men were expectant. Beloved, the spirit of expectation is the breeding ground of miracles. The spirit of expectancy causes confidence in our minds and heart that God is going to show up. The spirit of expectancy was heavily upon the wise men. Why? Because they understood the story behind it. So many times we want God to do something for us. So many times we call on God, on our knees, we cry on to God. God, I need you in this situation. God, I need you in this time. There's a song that we sing every time that I need thee every hour. I need thee, O Lord, come to my aid. But God has given us his word in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. What does it say? If my people who are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn away from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and will heal their land. Amen. We expect God to heal the land. We expect God to do the miracle. We expect God to forgive our sins. But my question is, have we humbled ourselves to God? Have we turned from our wicked ways, sought his face, or prayed yet? We expect to see his mighty hand of valor on our side. But do we seek the heart of God? Especially in this Christmas, do we seek the heart of God? Do we seek what God wants us to do? 
Amen. In verse 2, after these wise men saw the star, they followed it all the way to the king's palace. Because they said a new king has been born, right? So if a new king has been born, where do you expect the king to be? In the palace, of course. So they went to the palace where there was an existing king who was King Herod. So they asked the question, where is the one born king of the Jews? For we saw his star when we were in the east. And we have come to worship him. Beloved, what I saw in this particular verse is that these wise men understood that the king of the Jews was the only one. The only one that they would worship. He was the only one that they would pay homage to as their king. They were so confident when they saw that star that this star represents the newborn king. Indeed, that is the newborn king. And we have to follow that star to go pay homage to him. They were so confident that they were unwilling to wait. They were unwilling to seek for further clarification. They said, that is it. And therefore we will go. So they had the desire to worship the king. And it was this desire that set them on an amazing journey. Just imagine, 500 miles away. There were no planes. There were no uh, trains. I believe all they had to use at those times was what? Was their camels. So I cannot describe this as a weekend trip. Because it comes with a lot of what? Pain and suffering. Their trip would take them about 60 days. Barring any incident. Weather. Sickness. Stopping for provisions. Or groceries. And so forth. This was really a journey of sacrifice. This journey was uncomfortable. Inconvenient and time-consuming. Yet this wise man did not give up. They said they will go on to meet the star. To identify where the star will take them to. So they traveled on this long journey by camel through the desert. Without a clear destination of where they were going. Their only hope was the star that they were following. This morning, I would like to ask my brothers and sisters in the church and those of us watching us online, where is your hope? Is your hope in mankind? Is your hope in the word of God? The Bible says that heaven and earth will pass away, but the word of God would never pass away. Amen. Many times, let's say you're not feeling well and go to the hospital and the doctor tells you, you have malaria, or let's say you have um, a fever, we believe it. Because why? The doctor is experienced, or the doctor knows it, to tell us that, right? But the doctor did not create life and death. The doctor did not create you. The doctor did not give you the name. It was God. 
I'm not saying that when you are sick, don't go to the hospital. Praise the Lord. But in whom should you put your faith in? It is he who created heaven and earth. And he who gave you life. Praise the Lord. When we go to bed at night, there is no surety that you and I will see a new day. But in his mercy and favor, he blesses us with a new day. Amen? So this wise man walked by faith and not by sight. They faced difficulties in their journey, but they never gave up because their eyes were focused on the what? On the star. This morning, I want to entreat you. As you have put your faith in the Lord, let your focus be on God. Amen? If you have left that focus behind, the Bible says in the book of Revelations that go back to your first love. Focus on him. Amen. And your first love is God. So, first tracking to, from verse 3 to verse 8, the wise men encountered the king at that time who was King Herod. Why? Because they went to the palace thinking that the newborn king has been born there. He's there. So, they are there to pay homage. Now, let's see what happened. When they asked, where is the king who has been born? The king of the Jews. This made Herod upset. And he gathered all the chief priests and scribes. And demanded to know of them, tell me, where the Christ should be born? According to your books, according to your history, where is it written that the Christ will be born? Praise the Lord. At that time, you would expect, I would expect that the religious leaders, the chief scribes, they have read, they know the history, right? So therefore, they should know, but they did not know. They had not seen the star. All they knew was it is written. Praise the Lord. All they knew was that, oh, some time ago, centuries ago, this story was said, this will happen at this time. But in reality, they did not know the time. They did not know the hour. This Christmas, as we celebrate the birth of Christ, if Jesus should appear, are we ready for him? The wise men saw his star 500 miles away and knew that it was a sign that Jesus has been born. But the very religious leaders, the people who knew the word, they were not ready. They only knew that it was history. So there was no baby in the palace. So who were these men coming in and upsetting the whole city and demanding to worship a baby king that to them did not exist. Surely, if there was a king who had been born, if the Messiah, as at that time, they knew, they believed that the Messiah would be born, if the Messiah had really come, they would know about it. But the religious leaders knew nothing. They knew that the Messiah would be born in a little town called Bethlehem. Beyond that, they knew nothing. They weren't expecting anything. Rather, the wise men were what? Expecting. And therefore, they saw the star. And apparently, these religious leaders had not noticed his star in the sky. 
Beloved, let's put ourselves in the shoes of the wise man. That you've traveled 500 miles away from the east. And you've come to Judea that you are coming to worship the newborn king. And you face this welcome. How would you feel? Should I go back to where I came from? Or maybe the whole story is not true. It's a fallacy. To have come so far, to be so close to the end of their journey, and to be surrounded by people of like faith, only to find that no one knew of his birth. No one had a desire to worship him. No one seemed to care, and everyone was getting upset just at the mention of Jesus' birth. They may even question themselves, that's the wise man. Did we misinterpret the star? They will ask themselves, what went wrong? Or is it that we traveled for nothing? They have now been traveling for days, dealing with the weather and desiring to see the king of the Jews and worship him. Beloved, in our journey with God, in our walk with God, in our daily lives, I believe you have questions that you ask God. Am I on the wrong path? I have read this scripture that says that all things work together for good for they that love the Lord. But in my circumstance, I see that things are going wrong. Is God asleep? Or did I misinterpret the scripture? You may have even deeper questions than what I'm asking. The wise men found themselves in the middle of that situation, asking questions. Did we make a wrong choice? You may be asking, ah, my friends and I, when we were in the world, this was our behavior, this was what we were doing. But when I gave my life to Christ, I find that I'm facing tribulations. I find that I'm going through difficulty. But when I look at my left and my right, I see my friends in the world prospering. Their businesses seem to be going well. Did I make a wrong decision? Let's look at what happened. In verse 9, when they had heard the king, they departed. These are the wise men. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them. Amen. So in the middle of, of when they were in the palace, and they were like, these people should know. And rather, they said they don't know. All they knew was it is written. So what are you telling us? We don't know of any baby. They left the palace. And as they came out of the palace, the very star that they followed 500 miles away came to Bethlehem. This star again appeared and then went ahead of them. Praise the Lord. These wise men never gave up. And because they did not give up, this star reappeared to them and it, came and it, it went before them. Till it what stood exactly where the child has been born. Praise the Lord. Wasn't this what they were looking for? Right from the word go, the whole goal and aim was to reach the destination where the child had been born. And indeed, the star appeared at the right time. When they had so much questions to ask themselves. Beloved, sometimes in our Christian journey, 
It may be a while before we see a sign from God. But keep on pressing. Keep on holding on. Keep on striving. And pretty soon, very, very soon, your miracle is on the way. God would never leave you behind. God would never abandon you. Even when people around you that you assume that they should know and help you may not be there or may not give you that support, God would not abandon you. He didn't abandon the wise men. And so will he not do the same to you. Amen. This reminds me of a time when I was um, doing my experiment in the lab and I was giving some seeds to germinate. I worked on plants as my experiment. And I was giving about 50 seeds to plant. And when I started, I believed in the protocol. When I say protocol, the method in which to germinate that seed. Everybody knows that germinating a seed should be basic, right? You just dig the soil and then put your seed in there and then you make sure you give it water and then to do what? Germinate. But these very seeds were not germinating. And I say this as a confession. When I started it, I didn't pray about it. I said, this thing should germinate. It's, it's science. It's supposed to work, right? But I started with 50 seeds. Lo and behold, I went all the way to only five seeds remaining and not even a single seed that germinated. And here am I that I need these seeds to germinate, grow, blossom, so that I could harvest the leaves and use them for an experiment so I could finish school. But these seeds were not germinating. So what does it mean? No seed, no plant, no experiment. You can finish school. And at that time too, I had met my wife. We weren't married yet, so I was in a hurry to finish and get married. So you can, you can imagine how uh, uh, um, I was so much in a frenzy. Seed, you have to germinate. Because there's an appointment ahead of me. But these seeds were not germinating. Beloved, it took more than a year for these seeds. And it went all the way that I had only three seeds left. Then I remembered that you have God. You didn't start with God, yes, but if you should go back to him, he's ready to do what? Listen to you. So I went back to God and I said, God, forgive me. I should have sought for your wisdom. But I'm, a, I'm in a situation where I need you. My books have failed me. I thought I knew it all. It has failed me. I've searched online, read about people who use the same plant, and they've described how they germinated it. But I did it the same way, but it never germinated. So now I need you in this situation. Three seeds. And then I put my faith on it and prayed over it. I don't know if people saw me at that time praying over the pot, but maybe if you see me there in the growth, plant growth room, putting my hand on a pot, somebody will look at me and say, is this guy okay? <laughs> but I knew what I was doing because if, if those three seeds do not germinate, that is it. I have to wait for some more time. So I trusted God to, uh, to summarize it all. Only one out of that three germinated. And you can imagine how I took time to take very good care of that one because if you should die, back to square one. 
God answered that prayer at that time. Praise the Lord. Why? Because I turned back to him. It was difficult at that time. It took me two years to overcome that particular situation. Beloved, I don't know what you may be going through. You may be suffering about that particular problem for years. But remember the woman with the issue of blood who lost blood for so many years that people even didn't want to get close to her. But when she met Jesus, hallelujah, when she saw Jesus, she said, it doesn't matter those who are around me. It doesn't matter how people might say that I smell. She said, it doesn't matter how the names people will call me. I would go and touch the hem of his feet. And I know I will receive my healing. I know I will receive my miracle. Hallelujah. The wise man said, you people who are supposed to know, if you say you don't know, we will not give up. And God did not abandon them. God showed them the star. And the star led them to their destination. In verse 11, verse 11 says, And when they were come into the house, that is where Jesus was laid in that manger, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts. And what are these gifts? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. These were very expensive gifts. You know, all this while, when they were traveling 500 miles away, going through all that weather, the desert, issues with the journey, arrived in the king's palace, expected to be treated as welcome visitors, and even they didn't receive that kind of welcome they got. This man had come prepared to worship the king. This man had come with very expensive gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. They were not random gifts. They were not leftover gifts. They were not things they would just pick anywhere. Let me just go and give it to them. Why? It's because of the value that they what they apportioned to what to whom they were coming to worship. Beloved, the question I want to ask is: Do we know whom we worship? The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. The great I am, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he who never slumbers nor sleeps, he who answers by fire, he who says, call unto me, and I will show unto you hidden things, he who created the heavens and the earth, and everything that is in it, he who calls you son, and he says, call me father. That is the kind of God we worship. The wise man valued Jesus and brought him gifts of honor. And those were significant. Beloved, what do you have to give to God? Especially in this Christmas, like I said earlier, in this season of giving, what is it that you have to give to God? Maybe you may not have frankincense. Maybe you may not have myrrh. Maybe you may not have gold, but there's something that you can give to God. Amen? David said in 2 Samuel chapter 24, verse 24, he says, He will not offer sacrifices to God that cost him nothing. It's not that David had so much and therefore felt that God is nothing, therefore I can give to God. 
we can see the gift that the wise men offered. They were not just anything, but they were treasures fit for a king. They weren't stingy. They didn't send servants to give them either. They went themselves, bowed and worshipped the young king. Their worship cost them a large amount of time, a large amount of money, and expense. So what do you and I have to give to the Lord? What do you and I have to learn from this gesture of this wise man? For us, we need to learn that worship requires sacrifice. Amen? It's not that we worship God or attend church when we have time. But it requires what? Sacrifice. Both of our time and expense. In Romans chapter 12 verse 1, it says that what? Present your bodies, what? A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God. For this is your spiritual service to worship. That means that everything we have and everything ourselves we have within us must be devoted to whom? God. Praise the Lord. Our journey of faith may not be easy. People will question you. Co-workers will scratch their heads. Some may even call you crazy. Family members may even turn their back upon you or even cast you away. You may even have Christians who are not supposed to say so, but some may disappoint you. There may even be times when God himself may seem distant from you. However, beloved, remember that he is with you every step of the way. Amen. He will never leave you nor forsake you. The wise men were expecting a miracle and were willing to do whatever it took to see Jesus. They didn't have a lot of information at that time, but what did they do? They had faith. They had faith. And that faith was that they believed that Jesus is the king of the Jews and the star will lead them to their destination. Their belief led to their action. They sacrificed their comfort, their security to see and worship him. Maybe there were people who were even ridiculing them, people who were criticizing them or murmuring them. But they left their homes to follow the star to see the newborn king. Hallelujah. And when they saw him, what did they do? They gave him gifts. Worship him. This hour, I want us to go deep and make a sober reflection on ourselves. You have met Jesus' word today. That has come to you and I today. What are you giving to him? Is it going to be what is written in Romans 12 verse 1? That yield yourself as a perfect sacrifice, a living sacrifice unto God. Or you may be listening to me and you've not even given your life to Christ. So how can you exhibit the faith in Christ? Please think for a moment. Maybe you've already given your life to Christ. But God might be calling you to give up something for the sake of following him. Are you ready to do so? It could be half an hour less in bed so that you can worship him or read the Bible or just communicate with him in prayer. 
It could be to leave your comfort zone and to seek his face. Are we ready to do it? If you are listening, whether you're here in the building or online, and you have not accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, this is a good time, an opportune time for you to give your life to Christ. I want you to say this prayer with me and allow Jesus to come into your life. Allow him to be the center of your world. Lord Jesus, I believe you are the Son of God. That you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death. And to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins. My self-centeredness and every part of my life. That does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior and Lord. Come reign in my heart. Fill me with your love and your life and help me to become a person who is truly loving, a person like you. Restore me, Jesus. Live in me. Thank you, God. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Welcome to the wonderful family of God. If you made a choice today, kindly send us a message or even call us to share the good news of the journey that you have embarked on. May the Lord bless you and make His face continually shine upon you. Amen. Hey, we hope you enjoyed the message today. We trust you will have a fantastic week. And remember, Jesus loves you, and so do we.